You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. We recorded this episode on Tuesday, and the Kings lost to the Washington Capitals on Tuesday night. So you won't get any commentary about that game or the third period collapse or any of the milestone storylines for both players wearing number eight. What you will get is a conversation about the state of the Kings, the rain, and some of the answers in the recently conducted player and agent polls done by The Athletic. Here we go. Joining me now from the LA Kings, Robin Dutton. How are you doing today, Robin? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Jesse? I'm excellent. Did you enjoy the big game? I did. Yeah, it was a fun weekend not watching hockey, actually, and turning <laughs> my attention to football. Um, you know, s- such great ads, an incredible halftime show. What did you think of it? Uh, I I thought the ads were cute, I thought, but I feel like it was a sort of a slow year yeah. in terms of ads. Um, what was your favorite? Uh, I guess the self-parking car <laughs> with uh, Chris Evans and Rachel Dratch and uh, and a couple other people. Yeah. Uh, from from Boston, uh, Jim from the office, whose name escapes me, Krasinski, John yes. Krasinski. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my. I think that was my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I think mine was the Tom Brady Hulu ad. Oh really? Yes. Wow. Only because I was fooled for a second. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, is this it? It's it's so like him to. To drop yeah. that kind of news on Super Bowl Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jeep Groundhog Day one was good. The Google. How I didn't not... care for that one. No. no Maybe I it's love just because I'm a Jeep girl. Oh, uh, see, <laughs> I love that movie so much that to see it. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And the Google one, I think, was, uh, you know, pulled on the heartstrings a little bit. The how not to forget uh, where the husband's remembering his wife. That was pretty cute, too. Yeah, that one was effective, but. I don't need. I don't ever need to watch it again. Yeah, one, <laughs> one and done. My biggest disappointment of the day, though, was uh, I don't really care who wins the game. I don't have a horse in that race, and a friend of mine is from Kansas City, and so I'm happy for him. But uh, I enjoy narratives of ongoing failure, as long of course as you do. as long as they don't involve right the Kings. So Andy Reid finally winning. Everybody else is like, oh, it's the feel-good story, whatever, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'm like, ah. You're not about it. No, I kind of liked being able to say, everyone would say Andy Reid is such a genius coach. And I'd go, if he's such a genius coach, why does he have this record of clock management failure? And it's an interesting conversation. Now that he's won one Super Bowl, all that stuff goes out the window. Oh, yeah. So Until next year, at least. Well, now it's uh, the Shanahan's narrative. Yeah, but he'll—I'm sure he'll win it in two or three years. And right, and now the age of Patrick Mahomes too. Him yeah, Disneyland and celebrating—I kind of love that. I, I for me, I mean, and and look, obviously this is my just perch on sports. But for me, what makes sports interesting is how people analyze, process, and evaluate failure, because someone's always going to win and someone's always going to lose, and winning isn't an interesting conversation, right? You win, you win, you're great, you're wonderful. You didn't make any mistakes, everything worked out the way you wanted it to, right. great. Um, but losing, to me, is just m- so much more interesting. And so, like, you know, yeah. whatever, good for For me, Kansas I think City. it's the winning after <laughs> not losing for so long or having you yeah. know, tribulations and trials, and then it's like, oh, they, they made it. Um, but I I mean, I just love a good classic sports story. Yeah. I guess, see, for me, the classic is the... Is the, <laughs> the loss. <laughs> well, 
like I said, it's just more interesting to me. Yeah. But whatever. Let's, that's let's talk about the big win of the game, which was the halftime show. You're you might be the one person in America who is not impressed. It was fine. <laughs> it's just not for me. Yeah, I love seeing A Rod in the crowd, just being J Lo's biggest fan, going crazy, and her singing with her daughter. And yeah, those, I, those Latin women know how to move. I suppose. I guess again, just to go back to my perch mm-hmm. for me the my favorite moment of a halftime show was the sharks screwing up behind <laughs> right Katy Perry because again a halftime show doesn't have a loser it's just spect it's just a hundred percent spectacle and you know what I think Adam Levine is a loser okay with that <laughs> fair show. enough fair but enough. if I think if a meme comes out of the halftime show it's a it's a success yeah we got that in the past yeah. couple of years so eh, that's that's the big game sorry yep. I guess we're what we're supposed to call it but uh but look so moving from the uh what's the expression from the sublime to the profane it is the king's podcast we do have to talk about the kings uh one sorry two seven and one in the month of january and already a bad start to february not great bob no not great bob at all and uh i mean i think i owe everybody an apology I was adamant at a, for a brief period of time during this season that the Kings were actually good. <laughs> I and remember this. You were you were very optimistic, which I'm proud of you. Yeah, thanks. But I just thought this can't last. No, and this is why generally I poo-poo optimism. Right. <laughs> because now my feelings are hurt, whereas, uh, you know. It happens to the best of us. I guess. Uh, so what's most frustrating for me is that the Kings are not good, and I don't understand why and let me clarify what i don't understand because it's not that it's not that difficult but obviously expectations were low heading into the season nobody anticipated a cup run playoffs were you know a faint faint distant possibility Mm -hmm. but there were bright spots early in the season whether it was the strong play of sean walker or then matt roy or you know even obviously. a Bjorn foot yeah. coming in, yeah. And and obviously um, Blake Lazat was impressive. But it seems like whether it was the All-Star break or whether it was the dad's trip or whether it was reading their own press in November and December, there doesn't really appear to be much strong play coming out of anybody who doesn't wear number 11 or number 19 on their backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 2020 hasn't been kind to us. No, <laughs> I think, it hasn't. I mean, McClellan was saying the other day he's happy with where Kopitar's play at, is at. Um, you know, obviously, I follow has had you know five goal, five points in five games, or five yeah five points in five games, and so those two have uh, been carrying the play of the team. But uh, two wins in the past month is not something to really be proud of. No, no, it's not. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned Todd McClellan because. He had a lot to say following the loss to the Ducks, and I want to focus in on uh, one real quick part here. You know, Kopi's back to where he, where he needs to be, and and uh, there's some others that are reviving their games, if you will. Uh, they're playing to capacity, in my mind, um, and then there's some that are, aren't are quite there and some that are falling off, and, and I'm not sure how much they have left in the tank, but uh, it's our job to get as much as we possibly can out of them while we're trying to grow some younger players. Earlier in the season... You know, during the preseason, he had comments about players that maybe didn't belong in the league or maybe they'd reached the end of their career. I mean, he had a bunch of sort of nice little turns of phrase that implied that there were guys that he wasn't fond of. Then as the season progressed, you had a couple guys get scratched. 
you had the Kovalchuk incident, obviously, where he didn't play for however many games before they finally released him. And to me, in all of those moments, there was one phrase that, that in my mind was just clearly code for Kovalchuk, and that was some players can't play in this league anymore. And to me, the, the key was this league, implying that he could play in a different league, which to me meant the KHL. But in his comments that we just played after the Ducks game, he talks about players who may not have much left, players who may not, you know, <laughs> have anything to give or who aren't giving it. And the and as we said, anybody who's not Andre Kopitar or Alex Iafalo is is, as far as I'm concerned, a candidate for those, well, except for Clifford. Um, and Lazat and probably Kempe. So, but that's yep. still a lot of players right. that, exactly. that he could be talking about. And it's concerning, uh, not too concerning because this is an evaluation year in a reconstruction plan. Mm-hmm. But as somebody who still wants to go and watch the rest of the season and enjoy it, it's concerning. Right. Yeah, I think McClellan's talking about what are each player's motivations to still be here, whether they're young and they're trying to grow their game and learn, or whether it's a veteran who wants to be a leader on this team and wants to stay in this league. And so I think he's constantly keeping them accountable and trying to evaluate who's going to be here long-term. And, you know, it's no secret the trade deadline's coming up, and I think he's sending those reports to Rob Blake, and and hopefully, you know, the team will – move forward better next year and in the following years but yeah he's definitely looking at each player individually and uh seeing you know whether or not they're in the long-term plans before the season we set out 10 questions that i thought were most pressing we sort of reevaluated them again at the halfway mark but one of the questions was is mcclellan the right coach for the kings and the answer was well we won't know for three years but all results appear to be positive and obviously this season's been a lot more fun than last season and the very fact that i'm able to be disappointed means that expectations though low were up and so that's all to the good however the one thing that's begun to concern me and listen i'm not a not a coach i'm not a scout i'm just a dude with a mic but there's all this talk about revamping the king's system and implementing a new way of play and how some of the players might be having difficulty with it and you know i've pointed out that drew dowdy's numbers are way down and one of the explanations has been he doesn't have great line you know d partners which doesn't i don't find particularly compelling because Braden mcnab was his d partner when he won the norris and Braden mcnab is hardly an all-star but the other example the other ex- uh, excuse given was well it's a new system and yada 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 and the reason i bring all that up is that in this two seven and one stretch where their point total is 0. 0.250 and you know second only to detroit who are if they're not trying to lose they are doing an awful good job of yeah. pretending um anyway the reason i bring all this up is that their possession numbers in those games are still good they're and again possession numbers and i'll say this again and again and again and again it really just means are you out shooting your opponent mm-hmm. and the kings routinely you know you saw the the mighty ducks sorry the ducks game they outshot they had what 47 shots on goal or something like that yeah i think 48 and yet if you look at the heat map of where the shots are coming from there is a literal hole donut hole in the heat map in the top of the slot yeah like it wasn't 
lightly shaded or or you know a hint of zero gaping gap. A, and so if all you're doing is taking perimeter shots mm-hmm. late in the game that you're already losing I don't like that system, and it seems an awful lot like the Daryl Sutter system of bombing shots in from the point and hoping for tip-ins and deflections. Yeah. I mean, I think McClellan knows that. He said he said after the game, you know, we had 40-something shots, but were they good shots? Were right. they good efforts? You know, they're not Ovechkin scoring chances. No, they're not. <laughs> and he's saying, like, we're not going to change this overnight, but I think it's definitely a step in the right direction, that puck possession, the offense that they've had. Just even looking at the games, last year we'd wait till the third period to even try to score a goal. This year, at least, we're getting chances early for the most part. So I think, honestly, fans are always going to have, you know, yes, no, he's the right person or not the right person. But definitely from our side, I think we've seen a step in the right direction. Yeah, and, and look, a lot of this has is personnel, and a lot of it is just, you know, the coaches can't play the game. Right. But, for example, shot attempts for it, even strength, 10th in the league expected goals for and listen i hate expected goals for in general but 10th in in shot attempts and 23rd in expected goals so that's a pretty however whatever made up equation you want to use to reach the expected goals for number right the fact that you're dropping 13 points between attempts and expected success on those attempts is it's concerning, and you know, I said earlier this season that I thought that a ghost had possessed Sean Walker, and its unfinished business was to play defense, and that clearly there was a body switch movie scenario where the ghost moved on to Matt Roy's body. <laughs> I think the ghost clearly um, finished its business because I don't think either one of them have played nearly as well as they did at earlier stretches in the season. Yeah, and that's very concerning at least to me right yeah i mean they are rookies for the most part we'll give them that inconsistency but yeah. i hear you there i what what does excite me is the power play numbers yes compared to last year i mean i don't know what where we are compared to the league but we are one of the top teams and i think that is a sign of good things to come mcclellan's known for that and so he's definitely implemented that here in la yeah, and I'm, I think I read somewhere that they were like 40% on the power play in their last 10 games or something yeah. like that. Um, we, I think last year we were negative on the power play. <laughs> I guess technically that's possible if you give up yeah, more shorthand you, you goals. give up more yeah. goals, yeah. Uh, let's just do a, a real quick uh, by game look at that. I'm just going to choose uh, January 1st as, uh, as an arbitrary start date. Since January 1st, the LA Kings are second in the league at 36.4 on the power play. Not so that's bad. not bad. Not that's bad. pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good, Bob. <laughs> I don't know if it works like that. <laughs> it does now. Um, and meanwhile, they're penalty kill middle of the pack in the yeah. same amount of time. So things that, that we can take and look at as a positive. I mean, again, to uh, just last week, it came out the Kings Farm Systems also ranked number one in the league. So with a lot of prospects, I see you looking at me there. I have to be the optimist here. Uh, no, I know. I just I'm <laughs> look, this is one of those moments where working for the team. I wonder whether or not I should say what I think, but I mean, it's the hockey writers. Right. <laughs> I didn't name a source for a yeah. reason. I was hoping we could just blow by that. But um, hey, we'll still take it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, yes, Scott Wheeler and Corey Pronman still think very highly of it. Absolutely. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it might be the donuts we're dropping off at their office. 
Who knows? But <laughs> who are we to judge? Who are we to judge? Uh, speaking of prospects, though, uh, Carl Grundstrom recalled. Yeah. From the Ontario Reign. He was the Reign Player of the Week last week. He tallied four points in the last two games, so he'll get his chance up with the team. He'll be playing with Carter and Toffoli, and um, Dowdy also will be available for the night after missing the past three games. Now, I think the Reign are... 6-0-1. Oh, yeah, they've been hot. In their last seven games. And in those games, Grunstrom has three goals and four assists. So. Yeah, hopefully he can bring that uh, offensive power to the Kings lineup. Yeah. And and one of the things I see on the fan forums and on Reddit and Twitter and everything is this, this talk of the youngsters and, like, mm-hmm. get the young guys in the lineup. And to me, Roy and Walker don't count as right. youngs. To me, young is 22 and under. Yeah. And I think Grunstrom is 21. So it is, as far as I'm concerned, there haven't been any youngsters on this. I mean, Lazat and Kempe and Wagner are the youngsters, and they've been playing as a unit for the most part since November 11th. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think McClellan likes more consistency mm-hmm. rather than guys coming in and out of the lineup constantly. But like you said, with this year kind of rebuilding, figuring out our new uh, strategy and style of play, it's fun to see the young guys come up and get their chance, like seeing Kale Clegg recently and, and having his first NHL game uh, is exciting. And I think this is the time to get those guys a bit seasoned so that when they do get the chance to step in next year or the year after, that they have a little bit of experience and they know what it's like. So, Just to dabble in fan fantasy and lineup predictions, okay. I, I like Grunstrom on right wing. My understanding was always that he is a right winger. Um, but he shoots left, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I think he's going to be left tonight. And that's kind of my concern, <laughs> is that they keep getting these guys who play on their off wing, and then they don't play them on their off wing. And I understand, or I at least have, it has been explained to me that that is better defensively because yeah. your stick is to the outside and blah, 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 blah. Right. But I don't know. If the guy's a right winger, like. And shooting-wise, it wouldn't. it's easier like a cross-net pass. You're. Lining up for a one-timer. If you're if you're on your off you're wing, your it's better on yeah, offense. Absolutely. But if you're playing defense, apparently you you're supposed to play with your. I don't know. Well, I'll talk to one of the coaches about that. Yeah. But he's and again, this is not how I think lineups should be made. However, he's from Sweden, as is Kempe, and I think their games are complementary. Um, I would be very happy to see him on a line with Lazat and Kempe and see Wagner back down with Lewis and Clifford because last year Wagner's success came on the fourth line mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a much different role than he would, plays with. Wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't either. Now, who knows if it'll ap- actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> but Todd McClellan, if you're listening right now. That's right, Todd McClellan. <laughs> do what I we say. We can only dream. Yeah. Um, did I, you see him big skate Dowdy and a couple of other guys after practice the other day? No. He, uh, I think he gave them pretty good. They had a hard practice, and then he kept them after and did a few different drills. And Dowdy was um, gassed for sure. But he, after sitting for a couple of weeks and with a you know nagging injury, he wanted to make sure he'll be ready to play those big minutes. So that was just interesting. You don't see that every day. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, listen, I, I have said repeatedly, and I will say it again i think drew dowdy may be the best defenseman ever play for this organization i think he should have a banner and -hmm. a statue and a section named after him and if he played in canada i think he'd already have a statue yeah um but he hasn't been good this year and he was terrible last year and i don't know if that's just because the team stinks or because he's a new father or because when guys get a big payday something comes in yeah like i don't know what it is but 
I don't know. Something's yeah. got to. <laughs> Something's got to change. Yeah, it does. Um, especially if he's going to be around for eight more years wearing a letter. And, you know, I mean, he had those those comments in the athletic article to Lisa Dillman. And, you know, at some point, comments are fine. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it's got to be m- matched right. with production. I mean, I think the great thing about Drew Towdy is he, it's no surprise to him. Like, he's taking accountability for it. He knows he's probably the hardest one on himself. So he's doing everything he can to get this team back to where they used to be and get his play there. And he's just trying to figure it out, you know, one game at a time. I'm going to go on a tangent here. Okay. Um, I think enough time has passed that I can introduce this topic of conversation without being hated. Did you ever see the movie Whiplash? No. All right. Are you familiar with it? No. So the general premise is this musical prodigy goes to this school, this musical college, and he's noticed by a, an instructor who is notorious for being mean, like absurdly mean. And so this instructor promotes this student into the advanced class and begins to torment him, like psychologically torture him. And he states that it is his belief that that's how you get greatness out of people. That You don't coddle it. You don't nurture it. You. So you, every hockey coach ever. <laughs> th- which is why I say this movie is my favorite sports movie, even though it's about <laughs> music nerds. The reason I bring it up is because I've been reading a bunch of interviews and and postmortems on Kobe Bryant, and it, uh, he liked the movie, and he said in an interview, I think it was to Vanity Fair of that movie, that that movie is Mamba mentality, but he didn't say whether the student or the teacher is the mentality and so all i want now is and i'll never get it because unfortunately he passed but all i want now is to understand what kobe bryant's interpretation of whiplash is and i'll make this about the kings in a second because the movie to me has an ambiguous ending where the teacher gets fired because of i'm sorry i'm spoiling it everybody but anyway the end of the at the end of the movie you don't know who at least from my interpretation who you're supposed to agree with Mm -hmm. right was the teacher right and that, and that his methods, as horrible as they are, is in fact the way to pull true greatness out of somebody. And then the flip side of it is if you want to be great, do you have to subject yourself to horrible treatment and terrible environment? And when I look at the Kings, and this is how I bring it back to the Kings, for the early parts of Kopitar, Brown, and Dowdy's careers – they were coddled by the organization. None of them was ever a healthy scratch. None of them was ever benched. There are stories from Patrick O'Sullivan about how he and Kopitar would go out, tie one on, and then the next morning Crawford would punish him and not Kopitar. And these guys have clearly been the face and the focus of the organization. And I don't – I said this all last season. I'm not sure that Kopitar and Dowdy require the same psychological approach to motivate them. And you saw with Sutter, he came in, he was mean, right? Not just to the players. He was mean to plenty of people in the organization that I've heard from to a point where I think it really took its toll. I think it upset some people (laughs) in a a meaningful way that will last many years. Forever. And needs intense therapy to recover from. And yet there are two banners hanging in Staples Center that yeah. that are the result of that and there are plenty of joyous wonderful memories from those of us who didn't have to experience 
yeah. that abuse. I mean, I think I have a couple opinions on this. All right. One, a coach does not need to be scary or even borderline abusive to get a response out of his players, but he does need to be respected and engaging and he can't be someone that looks like a pushover or Mm -hmm. that the players know that he um, isn't going to follow through with you know punishment lack of a better word Um, I think McClellan has that and is well-rounded enough that he knows when to you know push the gas pedal and when to lay off and I think it depends on the guy some players on the team need more encouragement and they need to kind of have that coddling attitude and some players need to be told like you know this is the straight take it or leave it and so I think it's knowing your guys and knowing how each of them respond but also being able to have the respect of everyone in the room and coaches have won Stanley Cups without being that you know scary abusive mm-hmm. personality um but I mean I think it's it, the, the game of hockey coaches are moving away from that just what we've seen in the last little while but we don't want to get it to a place where coaches don't have the authority in the room anymore and you look at someone like Barry Trotz benching Matt Barzal recently I think just showing a message like that you don't need to kick guys you don't need to do anything like that but just showing like hey I'm not afraid to take you out of the lineup if needed so I think there's a balance there and or bag skate or bag skate yeah a superstar I mean it's just part of the game and um I think great movies like you said they provide that discussion you you might never know and it's it's up for debate but um I look forward to hearing about how you don't sleep at night now just stay up (laughs) contemplating this topic well I mean, so the flip, the other part of the equation for me is, as I'm listening to this interview, or I guess it wasn't an interview, it was a retrospective, um, about Kobe Bryant, and and they were talking about how he developed his leadership style, and they were attributing the Lakers championship win in 2010, Mm -hmm. I think, to Kobe Bryant. They were retroactively saying, like, he didn't play well, but his force of will made his teammates play better. And obviously that's just what sports journalism is. You just make up narratives 10 years later to fit what you're saying. But then I thought, okay, the nature of sports is to have a winner and loser, regardless of what narrative we attach to it, regardless of who plays. You know, they could – every player in the NHL could sit out, you know, the month of March with the flu – and they would call up AHL players and the games would be played and there would be winners and losers. And mm-hmm. that we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't, you know, it's like someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. Yeah. So this idea that, you know, as you said, there are people who have won the Stanley Cup without being monsters. And there are people who won the Stanley Cup by being monsters. And, but somehow we choose to use this one string of wins as a, you know, as a referendum on on everything forever, right? So Mike right. Keenan does it, and it's like, well, it worked for Mike Keenan. It's like totally. I well, mean, somebody had to win that year. That's all Kings fans <laughs> have known. You right. know, we've only won cups with Sutter, and so yeah. I think until it's done or when it's done next time with someone else, then we'll have more of a fuller perspective. But um, definitely, Hopefully it'll be with McClellan. Oh, <laughs> my money's on the table. <laughs> so let's talk about the rain real quickly. Six zero and one, like I said, in their last seven games. I mentioned that Grundstrom three goal uh three goals and four assists in that period. Gabe Velarde two goals and four assists. Jared Anderson Dolan two goals and two assists. Martin Furk with his 109 mile an hour, sorry, 109.2, uh, five goals and one assist. Uh, Paul Ledoux 
two goals and five assists. Uh, Sheldon Rempel finally finding the score sheet. sheet, two goals, three assists. I mean, scoring up and down the lineup, solid goaltending not only from Cal Peterson but also from Matt Villalta. Um, they got off to a hot start. I was a little concerned heading into like November, December, but they seem to have turned it around. Yeah, they got off to a really hot start. They had a bit of a slump in midseason, and now they're doing well again. So I think they're sitting just a, in a playoff spot now. But, um, yeah, they're, they definitely – it's not just coming from one guy. It's up and down the lineup. They're seeing everyone contributing, which is great to see. And I think the Kings will have a harder decision down the line on who to bring up and down because most guys are proving that they really want to be here. I, I, <laughs> I do wish that they would fix the playoff format in the AHL. Yeah. Because um, I saw somebody say, like, hey, the Rainer, you know, ranked th- th- this place in the league in win percentage. And I thought, well, that would be sweet if it – you know, if it – now, it matters in the Pacific Division what your win percentage is. Totally. <laughs> but not for the rest of the league. No. Um, the reason I bring that up is to say – sorry, I'm trying to find the standings as I ramble. But the uh, the Ontario Reign missed the playoffs last year and the year before. If I'm No, wait, they didn't. The year before they, they made, made it, it yeah. but they uh, were eliminated. Currently fourth in the Pacific Division with a 5-4-4 winning percentage. I don't think they're going to catch Tucson or Stockton. Uh I suppose they could catch Colorado ahead of them, but at this point they're essentially fending off San Diego mm-hmm. for that last spot. Bakersfield uh, is 19 and 20, 19, 24 and one for a four, eight, nine win percentage. Uh, San Diego at five, three, seven, Ontario rain at five, four, four and the San Jose Barracuda want, want all the way down at the bottom at point three, eight, eight. Oh boy. So not worried about San Jose no. <laughs> in either league. Um, not worried about Bakersfield, but again, Ontario and San Diego fighting it out for that final spot. And I think the bulk of their schedule down the stretch is Pacific Division games. Yeah. I think when we go over to Colorado, they host the Eagles here. And so um, they'll definitely – those few games in the next coming weeks will be really important to see where they land. I really want this team – I mean, obviously we want the rain to make the playoffs. But this rain team in particular with all of the – you know. Jared Anderson Dolan and Gabriel Velarde and Mikey Anderson, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I mean, we've gotten to know these players over the last couple of years, and now they're so fun and exciting to watch. I mean, we were all watching their overtime win on uh, Saturday during Hockey Day yeah. SoCal. And, um, so, yeah, I'm really rooting for them in the next few months, and hopefully they go a long ways. And I know we say this uh, every time, but I'll just say it again. Go see a game. <laughs> Honestly, it's ho- actually a lot of fun. Hockey's meant to be seen live, yeah. mm-hmm. and at that arena, you just you're so close to the ice, and it's a totally different experience. They get to do so much more than we can at Kings games, like yeah. just even legally, the <laughs> the themes that they have and the different um, activations are are pretty fun. Activations. Yeah, they have like. I mean, even on like a country night, they can do so much more. Oh, than okay, the arena. I see what you're saying. Or a, a, like two dollar beer night. Yeah, yeah, every Friday. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. They can do Harry Potter night, I think. Can okay, so I just or maybe they total, just do and don't tell. Anyone. Well, so when I went out to South Carolina and watched the Stingrays play the Solar Bears, mm-hmm. it was Wizard Night. Oh, interesting. But not Harry Potter night. Right. Okay. But they hired a bunch of people to dress like Bagrid and oh. <laughs> you know <laughs> Professor Nitwick and yeah, like Barry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it was God. Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they were giving out you know scarves that looked. An awful lot like Shocking. Uh, like Gryffindor Shockingly scars. similar, yeah. Sorry for everybody who has no idea what we're talking about. Uh, so anyway, go see a rain game. Yeah. If for no other reason than to watch Gabe Velarde. Uh, 
one step, well, yeah, one step below the age. Well, two steps below the age. I don't know. Anyway, Arthur Kaliev. Yep. Uh, Sets the Hamilton scoring record yeah. all time, which is a pretty big deal. He's been there for three years, and he scored his 116th goal in the Ontario Hockey League. And I saw a funny tweet by the Hamilton Bulldogs, a team he's currently with. You score on 100% of the shots you take, <laughs> Arthur Kaliev, probably. Yeah. He's just can do no wrong, it seems. Like, he got really hot this year, and obviously you never know about a player's development, how it's going to go from the OHL to the A to the N. But, I mean, I think he was a steal at the 33rd, and he's really showing us that. I would very much like him to be on the team next year. Um, And I sort of understand why, for those of you who are not aware, if you're not 20 years old and you were drafted from the the CHL, which is the Canadian Hockey League, which is comprised of three smaller leagues, the Western Hockey League, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Mm -hmm. most of the players still come from the CHL. Until you're 20 years old, you can't play in the AHL. And that is to protect the talent base for the CHL. They're concerned that all the guys like Arthur Kaliev and Akil Thomas and, you know, uh, Lafreniere, whenever he gets, whoever drafts him, guys like that would, teams would rather have them in their system. And so you'd be robbing the CHL of their talent. As a citizen of Southern California and not one of the cities in the CHL, I don't care about protecting the talent base right. of the CHL. As a Canadian, yeah, I will say I care about it. I mean, I think it's both for the fan base there, uh-huh. which, I mean, we don't really care about down here, but also for the players. I mean, I think there's something to be said about going too fast, too far, too soon, and it does help them to get their confidence up and then not take not hold them too long. But I think just long enough until they can move into the HL and start developing with the older guys. Now you're from Calgary, correct? Oh, Jesse, we've been over this. <laughs> Calgary. Yes, you're from Calgary. Yes. And the Calgary CHL team is? We have the Hitman. Correct. Now, what do you suppose the attendance for the Hitman was last year? Oh, God. Average per game. I have no idea. What's the ballpark? Less than 10,000. I was going to say eight, but that might be generous. No, it's pretty close. 73-63. Okay, okay game. nice. So that's pretty good. Pretty good. Would you care to guess what the Ontario Rain attendance was last year? Mm. Is it lower? No. Higher? Yeah. 12? 83-52. Oh. So my point so only ab- is... about the same. About, yeah, yeah. about the same. My point is yeah. only this. You're concerned about the fans in Calgary. Yeah. I'm concerned about the fans in Ontario. Right. Of which there are more. <laughs> <laughs> but by a minuscule amount. Still. If we look at the whole country, I'd be curious to see. I mean, I grew up uh, when I was younger living in Kelowna. So we used to go to Kelowna Rockets games. Right. I think it's fun for kids to see older players play and, and inspire them and help them grow. Like, that's a fun thing to go to on a Friday night, Saturday night. So Absolutely. Um, I just don't think that the good people of Kelowna and <laughs> Hamilton and Niagara <laughs> and yeah. Mississauga – and Everett, et cetera, et cetera, would stop going to those games. If they missed a couple players. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's I think all, that's fair. You know. I think it should be, honestly, just up to the players and the teams yeah. who draft them. Kelowna, incidentally, 4,835 uh, Yeah, last I, I thought that might be a bit lower. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't pull that stat yeah. out. Now, uh, to be fair, Ontario is one of the better performing attendance teams in the For AHL. Sure. So, I mean, who knows what, you know. I don't know what the Cleveland Monsters do uh, numbers wise, but anyway, the point is just I've always I've always had a problem with co- collegiate 
sports, and one of the reasons is because the professional leagues prevent some of the players from coming to the pros, you know, whether it's the one-and-done rule or in football, yeah. I think you have to stay three years or whatever it is. Right. I feel the same way about this. If you're 18 – you should do it. You you're want. an adult. Yeah, <laughs> go, go make your money, young man. Yeah, I think too in college and um, at any age, if you're making money and brands want to work with you and sponsor mm-hmm. you, like you should be able to do that. A lot of kids, um, you know, might not be on full rides or whatnot. And so I think, yeah, like you said, once you're 18, it's free, free game. Yeah. So let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, road trip coming out for the Kings and take some guesses as to how they will perform. Obviously, the Capitals game may be over by the time you're hearing this, but we've got the Capitals, the Islanders the Devils, and the Rangers before coming home next Wednesday against the Calgary Flames. Which you know I have circled on my calendar. I'm sure you do. Already. <laughs> You'll be wearing your Aginla jersey to, the, to I'll work I'll be wearing just day. a red tank top <laughs> under my professional outfit. Um, so speaking of red tank tops, how do you see tonight going against the Caps? Uh, I think it's going to be a tough game. Ovechkin's hot, 11 goals in the past six games. Um, you know, it's never going to be easy going into that building, so – I don't want to say anything and regret it tomorrow, but it's it's going to be a tough matchup. I, I'm hoping it's Alex versus Alex, and we see a couple fun goals. I'm I'm uh, I'm expecting a one and three trip. I'm yeah, gonna, gonna I, I was going to say two and two to be generous. Okay. Yeah, we haven't played the Devils yet this year, so we'll see what happens there. We did beat. I was surprised to see we we beat the uh, Islanders and Rangers um, both in the last two matchups mm-hmm. at Staples Center. So. That's positive, but it's always different going into their barn. Yeah, the Rangers are a coin toss. You never know who's going to be in and out of their lineup, who's going to be in goal. Obviously, it's a huge difference. It'd be lovely to beat Henrik Lundqvist again. Lovely. Not going not gonna to hold my breath on that one. Yeah. We'll uh, there were a couple of polls done recently. Yeah, these were so fun. I loved reading them. I think getting that inside look into the game, into the players, the agents, whatnot, is always pretty cool. And the Athletic did a couple of these recently. There's... There were a couple things that stood out to me, uh, but let's start with the player poll. All right. And this was just limited to the Kings, although there was a larger version yeah. of this done. Yeah, limited to the Kings. It was anonymous, so they voted <laughs> on, you know, who is always late, most superstitious. Right. I love seeing Drew Doughty voted always late. Mind you, always late means just right on, on time. time. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> if you're more than five minutes early, less than five minutes early, you're late. But it didn't surprise me. I, I think hearing that funny story that he almost missed the Olympic yeah, game, yeah. you know, that, that definitely wasn't shocking. Um, most superstitious was a tie between Kyle Clifford and Trevor Lewis. Which I loved. Yeah. I love that. Um, Clifford, I think it's no secret. You, when you see him at warm-ups, he's yeah. always the last guy. He's doing his little puck things. Like, he he's definitely consistent in that. Lewis was kind of surprising, but I guess not really. He also won most time in the weight room, which, you know, I think a lot of guys were voted that. So I just want to dwell on superstition really quickly okay. because um, – sorry, buckle up for another weird All right. <laughs> road trip. Uh, so a friend of mine uh, is a rabbi, okay. and he explained to me one day that every time he gets dressed, he always does it left to right. Socks left. Interesting. Shoes left, pant leg left, shirt sleeve left, like every – Everything that can be broken down left to right. I think I've got the it does ultimately it doesn't matter, but the explanation is what matters. And I said, well, well, why? What's the explanation behind that? And he said, I've I've known this guy for a very long time, but I have to confess that he and I I do not understand his, where he's at sometimes. But he says, he says, well, the Torah says 
that the left hand of God is mercy and the right hand of God is justice. And so you should always put mercy before justice in every approach you have to anything. You should always be mindful of, of remembering mercy before justice. And I thought, well, okay, that's a lovely sentiment, but what is it, what, what's that got to do with dressing? And he said, well, what you do is who you are. And if you want to be mindful of something, you should always practice it in every element of what you do. And so, for example, his justification for keeping kosher is not that it matters whether or not fish with scales or animals with cloven hooves or milk and meat and all that. He said you should care about what you put into your body. And so any rule that you give yourself that governs how you eat will have the same benefit, which is that it makes you mindful of what you consume and therefore... Right. And so to me, superstition is not a whole lot more than that. So when I see Kyle Clifford out there, it's obviously not probably to the level of dressing left, first, right, second to make sure that you put mercy before justice. But it's some sort of expression of whatever his internal work ethic is. And the fact that Lewis is the guy who's always in the weight room, you know, and I don't know. It's, I just like the, the idea that these two players who have come to meant to mean so much to the organization by virtue of their hard work and their sacrifice and their ultimate team playerness. I'm throwing air quotes for those of you at home. It just reminds me of my friend and I just really like it. Yeah. I mean, I think you're getting at the right point there. <laughs> it was a long way to <laughs> yeah, go. It usually is. But we made it. Yeah. Um, like you said, there's so much crazy stuff happening in the world and in life and even in a game that you can't control. And so I think mentally having a couple things that you can really helps keep that that routine that consistency knowing that okay today's going to be the same as last game and i'm going to go out there do my best and whatever else happens is out of my control but if i put my you know in soccer i used to put my left shin guard on and my right and it's just like you have those little things that make you feel like you have control over the situation and i think that's ultimately what it comes down to is just feeling like you are the person that is deciding how tonight goes and I don't know I was a bit superstitious I understand it I think some guys get more superstitious as they go on but um I mean I think even talking to psychologists too like whatever works for you do it and just stick with it well and if there's nobody there to stop you you just become more like yourself right in any given right that's why right child stars I suppose turn out to be crazy because there's nobody to stop them from leaning into whatever impulses they i mean when i used to play not that i played at any sort of high level but i would try and eat the same thing at the same time totally try and listen to the same songs on the way to the game try and hum the same tunes to myself during warm-ups like yeah i think those are all things that guys do too you know they'll have the same pasta before the game or if the one song's working they'll just keep it going till till they lose so now the one that i not only don't care but i'm almost like aggressively disinterested in is who is the best dressed and that is because i am a terrible dresser right see this is i think what the people want to (laughs) know i'm sure it is um and no surprise it's adrian kempe the swedish sleek guy um you know he's i think one person said he spends a lot of money on his fashion and it shows a lot of guys don't want to compliment him on it don't want to pump his tires but he loves like you know off-white fear of god lots of uh great labels so he definitely looks sharp everywhere he goes yeah, I Move, <laughs> like, like I said, on. I'm a terrible dresser, so I, I don't know. have anything. Uh, who uh, who always avoids paying the bill at a restaurant? This one I've like, 
I feel bad about yeah. it. Like, don't throw the guys under no. the bus here. And, I mean, it's the younger guys, so you get it. Well, they're the thing, not like, on the big deal. Yeah. yeah. Why should Matt Roy have to pick up a single check when any of them eat out? Yeah, yeah. If Drew Doughty's there, yeah. Matt Roy should not be paying. Exactly. Yeah. I have a friend who uh, – sorry, this podcast is all about my friends. Um, <laughs> but I have a friend who works for Google, and he's very high up the, uh, the ladder. And he gets annoyed with me when I try to pay for things. And because we're both dudes, it becomes a thing of like, no, I got it, no, I got it. And yeah. one day he just looked at me and said like, I don't know how much you make, but I make orders of magnitude more than you do. Yeah. This will not, this is nothing to me. And he didn't say it to be insulting. No. He just was like. And it's, I mean, it's hard. It was nice. Yeah. So now I let him pay for everything. It's okay, <laughs> embrace it, lean yeah. into that. I need friends like that. He's a good guy. All right, well, be friends with him. <laughs> we'll connect sometime. Uh, this is another one I sort of felt bad about. Who was the worst road roommate? Oh, I did not feel bad about this at oh, all. Oh, no. <laughs> Knowing just the two guys, Matt yeah. Luff and Austin Wagner. Luff, he's, I think both of them snore, so mm-hmm. that's not their fault technically. Yeah. Um, Wagner, one of the guys said he talks too much and they just didn't want to listen to him. So I felt a little bad about that. Yeah. But I, don't, I think both guys joked about it. It's not a big deal, but you hate getting stuck with a bad roomie. Yeah. I guess I'm always – I guess it's like the poker table. If you sit down and you don't know who the mark is, it's you. Yeah. I guess I'm the Or bad, if you I keep getting switched around, yeah. that's yeah. like a problem. Yeah. The the last one was my favorite. The – which – I think I – You might be able to spot it. Oh, the best taste music. Nope. No? We can, we can talk about that, though. I love that uh, Kyle Clifford was picked due to his, um, you know, country music taste. Right. I, I thought the guys, Forbert one was the most interesting to I me because there's no consistency. As <laughs> he if goes that, from like rap to EDM to country. Yeah, that's probably just like his personality, just yeah. squirrel. I'm a t- I'm a terrible dresser and I have terrible taste in music, so I. It's a great thing you're not on this poll. Recuse myself from any conversation. So what was the one that most, oh most likely to have a beer with? Not on the Kings. Not on the Kings. Yeah. And they said Tyler Sagan. Right, because he's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly because I think the exact quote was because he tra- attracts so many females, it takes care of itself. Yeah. My little sister, a huge uh, Tyler Sagan fan, not yeah. a huge hockey fan. Yeah. I think that's like every other girl in yeah. America. Yeah. My favorite seeing his um, bat signal Instagram messages or posts. Oh. So he'll post what city he's in oh. just to get the <laughs> to get the word out. Sure. <laughs> but oh, there was an account. I don't know if it exists anymore, but it was NHL players on Tinder. Oh, and nice. it was people who had encountered them on Tinder and then just screenshotted their interactions. There's, uh, there's some former kings mm. uh, on there. We won't talk about that though. No, I'll just say it's out there. Yeah, for anybody who's curious. Uh, then the other poll was the agents' poll. There yeah. were there were some interesting nuggets hidden in this one. Most of it was I thought pretty straightforward. But yeah, I mean this one definitely was interesting. I thought the m- funniest one was. Uh, Gary Bettman, he actually yeah. had a surprisingly high approval rating, considering he gets booed everywhere he goes. So the Gary Bettman booing thing, to me, is one of the greatest running gags. Ever. And I I love that he likes it. And I don't understand the people who get defensive about it every time it happens. Yeah, no. I, I think it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. But what I'm curious, at this point, I don't think it matters if people get the joke. But I'm curious... For fans who began to be fans after 2000, Mm -hmm. because from my perspective, and I could be wrong, from my perspective, I was, what, 15 when he took over the league, I think, and everything I know about hockey, well, not everything, but the 
hardwired parts of my brain come from an older generation who told me what I should think about hockey. Mm -hmm. And so to me, Bettman's an American, an outsider, a corporate raider who just came in and stole the heart of the game and he tried to get rid of fighting and he brought in the ducks and he's trying to make it friendly for kids and he doesn't know how he's not a hockey guy and blah, 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 blah. But those attitudes are 27 years old. Yeah. And it is Gary Bettman's national hockey league now. So all like, Fighting's gone, basically. It's the league appeals to a younger generation, right? We've talked about this, you know, the All Star game has been stripped of any kind of <laughs> tradition or anything. Yeah. So I just wonder when people are booing him, and again, I don't care because I think it's funny. But do people have a reason for booing him, or is it just well everyone else is doing it? So because he, I think it's the latter. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I think he he has grown the game so much in the time he's been yeah. um, in that position, and so uh, he, I think people recognize that, and um, he definitely has a future still in hockey. The other um, part that I thought was interesting: will players play in the Olympics? And seven said yes, and fifteen said no. I think. Everyone wants to see the players play in the Olympics, and I think the NHL wants to go to China, but um, it just, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I 100% understand why the league doesn't want the players going to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember who, who said it or where I heard it, but somebody said, like, I think maybe it was Wyshynski. I don't remember. But they said, like, the league follows up on these things. They don't just send guys to international tournaments and then go, well, it's great for the team. It's great for the game, whatever. Yeah. And the thing they've said is there doesn't seem to be any tangible benefit to the league sending the players to the Olympics. And right. so I get it. And and as a as this is one of the rare times where I identify as Canadian, as a Canadian, like – Send the pros. I don't care. More gold medals for Canada. <laughs> Great. Good. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, but I don't. I don't like the Olympics either. I yeah. don't like college sports. I don't like junior hockey. And I don't, you like, don't the like Olympics. Don't like swimming. We know. No. Well, look. I don't want to get into the whole <laughs> other lunatic side of why I don't like the Olympics. But the Olympics aren't about sports. Mm -hmm. They're about making money for a couple of huge companies, including the IOC. Yeah. And the levels of corruption and circumvention of local governments and yeah it, the, the olympics are awful everybody <laughs> i know that the human interest stories are great but yeah. it's a it's so don't get involved with them i'm fine with that yeah i think there's a, a quote that someone said the funny thing is if you take the vote of players 600 will vote in the olympics because they get two weeks off sure yeah yeah so um yeah the, the other big one was, of course, and this was the one that stood out to me the most, was which teams, which cities most frequently wind up on the no trade list. Oh, I thought this was pretty funny, too. Yeah. Being from a cold, mm -hmm. small Canadian city, I feel for Winnipeg and Ottawa and everyone else on the list. Um, I think the, the top four were Winnipeg, Ottawa, Edmonton, Buffalo. Edmonton's moved down the list a little bit now with McDavid and mm -hmm. Drysaddle. Guys want to go play with you know some of the best players in the league, but... Yeah, it's pretty funny to see, you know, where guys don't want to go. The quote that stood out to me the most was San Jose. Somebody has to speak the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that was. But we love them. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. as we mentioned earlier, the Barracuda sinking like a ship right. or, or a stone. Uh, the Sharks themselves sinking like a stone. No draft picks. We're not mad. And I think I was listening to 
31 thoughts, I think. But apparently Eric Carlson, not popular in the Sharks dressing room. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Now, this is potentially thin ice that I'm skating out on. But the incident in Ottawa with, was it Hoffman, whose fiance was oh, accused yeah. of cyberbullying Eric His Carlson's wife, wife yeah. and they lost a child and it was all very yeah. tragic and confusing and horrible. But it never was perfectly clear to me because it was more than just that one. It was like a year and a half that this woman was accused of cyberbullying Carlson's mm-hmm. wife. And I just thought, could you imagine going to work every day knowing that your significant other was involved in a like a toxic online battle with a coworker's significant other it makes things uncomfortable and i just it's very hard for me and this isn't fair to either guy or to either gal involved in the story but it's very hard for me to look at that and not do a tiny bit of guilt by association and say like i don't know who's right and who's wrong but i know that i've never been involved with somebody who was involved in it yeah <laughs> in, a, in a thing like that yeah it's so hard to say yeah you know, sometimes you just become the, I hate to say the word victim, but like, you know, if sometimes if you're successful, people sometimes don't like that and they want to go after you. But um, yeah, it definitely, who knows what the communication was, if they reported it or if they confronted it or whatnot, but it's definitely really unfortunate. And obviously both of them moved on from the organization yeah. and you just really don't know what goes on in the locker room or behind closed doors. But to hear that he's again unpopular in San Jose, as Carlson that is, um, yeah. I thought it was very fascinating. And then he did, not that this segment was supposed to be about Carlson, it was supposed to be about the polls, but uh, a little thing came up last week about Eric Carlson scoring, I think it was his 600th career goal or 600 career point. It must have been points. Yeah. Be his goals. Yeah. 600 point. Uh, and somebody said uh where are all the carlson haters at and nobody else had responded so i just put it type replied back minus 46 um and again minus plus minus is a imperfect stat and all that but uh as i pointed out to somebody if you if you threw out a list of who the best six defensemen are of the last 10 years and i think the person said to me keith dowdy headman weber Carlson and I think I threw in Burns none of them were even close to zero on the mm-hmm. plus side and Carlson was the only one with a significant minus as <laughs> minus 46 in his career so interesting anyway San Jose's no good let's enjoy that yeah that's the recap <laughs> of the podcast yeah exactly exactly San Jose stinks and nobody wants to play for them I think that is going to wrap it up though yep that's about all we got for this um, week yeah so what did you say two and two for the next four games that's my guess. And I'm going with one and pr- three. Prove me wrong. That's right. Prove us wrong, kids. Prove us wrong. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, Kings fans. We will talk to you soon.